Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next at Microsoft podcast, a series of conversations about technology, innovation, and the future of Microsoft. My name is David Chen, and joining us today is Rich Summer, an actor best known for his portrayal of Harry Crane on the AMC original series Mad Men, which is entering its final season this spring. Rich is also an avid gamer and passionate board game collector with over 800 sets. We've brought him here today to chat with us about how technology has helped him manage his acting career and to get his thoughts about the evolution of gaming. Rich Summer, welcome to the Next at Microsoft podcast. Thank you for having me. Rich, each episode, we like to ask a question about breaking into your particular industry. So how did you break into acting? Well, I was always acting growing up, you know, at school and church plays. And then I went to college and graduate school for acting, college more just in theater and, and then graduate school specifically focused on acting. And I suppose the thing that sort of actually broke for me, I mean, I had done a couple of commercials, but then my manager in New York City lived in the same building as one of the people who was helping to cast the movie The Devil Wears Prada. And he would uh, accost her at her mailboxes every day and finally convinced her to let me submit a video audition. And that worked out. So it sounds like the take-home message there is that you should have your manager move into the same building as your casting director of choice. That's right. If you find a movie that you're excited about being in and make sure that you have some member of your representatives living in all of the buildings. being That's right. Have <laughs> them the fan out, you know, and just, right. and just kind of invade their space until you get what you That's want, right. I think. is the It's a targeted attack. Exactly. It doesn't always work, I'll admit, but we keep trying. All right. Well, uh, that is good to know. So uh, on a serious note, let's talk a little bit about Mad Men. Uh, the show has been an incredible hit since it debuted in 2007. And... Uh, my question for you is, as the show has become a cultural phenomenon, how has your life as an actor changed? Well, it's apples and oranges. I mean, there will always be my life before Mad Men and my life after Mad Men. Look, the show obviously has had a level of success that zero people anticipated. I mean, we all were very excited about what we were working on, but we were entirely unprepared for the sort of impact it seems to have had culturally. And that certainly has trickled down to people's willingness to take my chicanery seriously, which <laughs> I appreciate. You are featured prominently in one of the best known scenes from that series, I believe. I'm referring to the scene where Don Draper presents the idea of the carousel mm -hmm. amongst a group of execs, if you're aware of what I'm, I'm talking familiar. about. <laughs> um, so you, I believe during that scene, which is very powerful, very moving, you break down crying and leave the room because Don Draper's presentation has so deeply affected you. So my question is, what was the most challenging thing you've had to do on the show? Well, that was up there, certainly. That was the last day for me on season one, shooting that scene in particular. And we didn't know yet if the show had, was going to be picked up for a second season our numbers were, if you were just going on the numbers, were relatively low. Critically, we were receiving great notices, but as far as sort of the people tuning in, it was still pretty low. So we didn't know. And I, as far as I knew, that might be the last moment that Harry Crane would ever be on film. So there was a lot of pressure, and it was a very sad and scary day for me. That's one of the moments. I mean, 
it was an emotionally charged day anyway. So in some respects, it was easy, but in many, it was very difficult. But that goes for pretty much the end of every season except for season six. So it was always emotionally charged at the end. I mean, as far as things that were difficult on the show, the most difficult things I had to do, it sort of depends on what kind of difficulty you're talking about. There was the day that I had to act after I had just been sort of dressed down for some choices I had made. Basically what happened was I was playing Harry a little dour, and they wanted Harry to be a little more confident and relaxed and not worried about anything. So then the next scene I had to do after that conversation, Harry was telling a joke, and I may, I may have come in a little hot off of that note session where Harry was just being hilarious. And the director had to say, we, yes, but maybe you can take it back a couple degrees from where you ended up. That was a hard day, hard day. It looks to be an exciting final season of the show. You obviously know how it ends. Can you drop any hints about the fate of Harry Crane? Um... <laughs> uh he's uh you know i'll, I'll i'm he, he's in season seven all right you're, you're that's his you're in his the fate se- has not yet been has not yet been sealed all right so that's good all right sounds very exciting well we'll be sure to watch out for you there so let's talk about technology a little bit as technology has evolved i'm wondering if there are any tools that you use as an actor to help manage your career that weren't available when you started out so how has your use of technology changed over the years. When I first moved to New York in 2004, I kept track of every audition that I did. I wrote down not only what the audition was, I had a binder that had pages and pages of just these blank sheets, and on each sheet I'd write down what the project was, who the casting director was, what I wore, how I thought it went, what pieces of the material I did. Now I can just search a casting director's name and every audition that my managers or agents have sent me over the years where I met that person pops up. And I can say, oh, right, we def- we met, my God, we met eight years ago on this thing or whatever, just to know going in the room, just to remind myself, keep myself refreshed on when I've encountered this person. That's an absolutely priceless piece of technology. And then as far as preparing a role, there's an app that I use on my phone called Rehearsal 2, and it's made for learning lines. And that truly turned my productivity from, you know, it streamlined everything. It made me a far more efficiently prepped actor for auditions. Is there anything that you feel like technology still has a role to fill within the acting process? Is there stuff that you think you wish you could do that you still aren't able to accomplish with technology? Instinctively, I want to say (laughs) to find a way that I don't have to drive to Santa Monica for an audition. But that has also kind of been change. I mean, I do submit a lot more on tape. Now I do a lot of voiceover auditions. I record all of those at home. Now I do a lot of um, uh, auditions. I mean, another way technology has completely shrunk down the country is things that are only casting in New York. I can hear about it at noon our time and have it into New York before end of day by filming myself and uploading it to Vimeo or something and then emailing them a link. That kind of stuff That's absolutely revolutionized auditioning. And with those tools, with those, the rehearsal app, the ability to search and find, I mean, it's really about streamlining, right? Technology, I think, is about making things more efficient, making things uh, simpler. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about gaming. You're an avid gamer. What gaming platforms do you currently use and kind of what are some of your favorite video games right now? 
Video game-wise, the platform's mostly on the Xbox One these days. I use a PS3. I have a Wii U. I like them, but I'm very much a social gamer. That's part of why I have fallen so deeply into board games is that idea of a communal experience around a game. So for me, the One has that kind of in spades. What are some of your favorite games for Xbox One? I've always been a first-person shooter kind of guy. Uh, Titanfall, I love the Call of Duty games. I also am always very excited to get the next one of those. That's sort of been my focus. However, lately, the guys who made You Don't Know Jack, I think they're called Jackbox Games. They may have changed their company name, but You Don't Know Jack is a game that I played a lot in college And it's, again, a very social, computer-based trivia game, which now they have on the one, and they've made this Jackbox party pack. And that has been getting more play than anything lately around my place because it is very much uh, social. Again, it's very easy. People can just use their phones as controllers, and there's a multitude, there's like five or six different games that are really easy to pull out. They're not intimidating to people who haven't played video games before. That's been really fun. So you're not only a video game player, you actually did some voiceover work for a game called Firewatch recently, right? Yeah, I'm still doing it. Um, We're about halfway done recording it now. I fell into this game because I had a sort of a loose acquaintance with somebody who was on Twitter, who had worked at the Twitter offices, and we had sort of talked once about playing board games if I ever made it up there. And then he moved over to Campo Santo, which is the company that's making Firewatch. And he contacted me and said, you know, they'd been working on this character that may have had some inspiration and sort of vocally, they wanted it to sound a little like Louis C.K. or a little bit like me. And they had been auditioning some actors up in San Francisco for it and finally thought, you know, what if we just have Rich Summer do it? Because they were correct in assuming that Louis C.K. was not going to be available. So they approached me about auditioning and I auditioned and I luckily sound a lot like uh, me and it worked out. So it's been something I've been recording at home in my booth at home over Skype, again, using technology in a pretty exciting way, where I have the director in San Francisco, my co-actor, Sissy, in Burbank, in her home studio, and me in my home studio, and all of us can communicate, record together, and then combine all the files. It's been very exciting. Do you ever uh, do the voiceover like in your pajamas, or do you kind of do dress for the part when you're at home? I don't have a lot of circulation in my booth, so I, especially in the summer months when we were recording last August, definitely was only in my underwear and opening the door in between every take because having the air conditioner on wouldn't entirely work because it would create too much noise. So it is a teeny little oven of nightmarish heat. And uh, yes, I have done it in my robe with coffee. I've done it in my underwear, pouring sweat. And I've done it in all manner of dress. Well, thank you for all those mental images. You are known to be a big fan of board games. You've talked about XCOM before, which really reimagines the relationship of tech to board games. So how do you feel about this trend, and what do you see as some of the possibilities? I'm really excited about the trend. I'm a fan of board games for two main reasons. One is that social interaction, and the other is sort of the mind of a designer, how a designer can create a system of all these kind of complex interactions and put them into a box with a piece of paper that tells you the rules, and somehow 
you make an event of it. You make an experience of it. What's cool about technology now is, especially, you know, speaking of XCOM, the board game, it is truly you interacting with the app. Essentially, it's a four-player cooperative game. Each of the four players take on a different role. One of you is a scientist, one of you is a squad leader, one of you is a commander, and one of you is a... um, Oh, something else that deals with the app, uh, the person who runs the app. And those four roles all do something different. And the app sort of guides you through the story of the game. It tells you when certain actions are available, when certain things aren't, and it's all sort of on a timer. So when the timed round ends, and you go through several timed rounds, when one of the timed rounds ends, you do a sort of resolution phase, you see where everything sits, and then the app asks you, what the current game state is, what's happening on the board. And you tell it. You tell it how many UFOs are in orbit. You tell it if you completed any missions. You tell it if you went over budget, you know, and spending too much money, things like this. And then the app adapts. The game adapts to your experience, and it changes each time you play it. It's it's different each time you play it. I think it's a really exciting new thing happening in board games. Any game from here on out that's going to have a technical component, any board game, I should say, that's going to have a technological component, it's going to need to allow you to interact with it, to change it as it changes your game state. I think it's really exciting. I'm genuinely excited to see where it goes from here. We like to wrap each episode with a recommendation of a book, movie, show, blog, video game, or whatever. Anything you suggest our listeners should check out. So is there anything you'd like to recommend today? I'm going to recommend a game. I mean, other than XCOM, which I've obviously made clear I love, there's another game actually by the same publisher called Star Wars Imperial Assault. This game tells the story of Star Wars in a very specific way. One player is all the bad guys, and the rest of the people are all the heroes, and you play a campaign over time. And as each mission is resolved, it's sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure. It drives you to a different mission somewhere else. If it ended with the Imperials winning, go here. If it ended with the Rebels winning, go here. And basically, you build your own little story arc so that every time you play a campaign, it's completely different. I think that it's going to have some staying power. So if you're willing to dive into a long-term board game experience, or if you're a Star Wars fan or both, I would check out Star Wars Imperial Assault. Thank you so much for joining us today. Rich Summer is an actor best known for his portrayal of Harry Crane on the AMC series Mad Men, uh, which you can see in its final season this spring. Thanks so much, Rich. Thanks for having me. You can find all the episodes of this podcast at microsoft.com slash next. And to keep up with all the innovation at Microsoft, go to blogs.microsoft.com slash next. You can also email us with feedback for the podcast at next at microsoft.com. That's the word next, the at symbol, and then microsoft.com. This podcast was hosted and produced by me, David Chen, executive produced by Steve Clayton, Richard Eckel, and Jennifer Henshaw. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you guys later. Listener.